Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of Luke. The Gospel record of Luke and chapter number 21. The Gospel record of Luke and chapter number 21. We're getting to the place of the very end of the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're on the last week of Jesus' life. We've already seen as he had come that Sunday to make his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And then we have witnessed on the Tuesday that Jesus Christ has been preaching, been dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees. He's been dealing with the Sadducees and their questions. And now the attention turns as he's standing outside of the temple in the city of Jerusalem. The date is Tuesday, March 28th of AD 30. Jesus Christ is making his last couple of days matter, teaching his disciples and dealing with the those that are around him. And we oversee where Jesus is looking at the giving box. And he makes an observation in the gospel record of Luke chapter 21. The gospel record of Luke chapter 21. And notice with me in verse 1. The gospel record of Luke chapter 21 and verse 1. And he, that's Jesus, looked up. And saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth, I say unto you, that this poor widow has cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God. But she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she hath. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark two words that we find in the gospel record of Luke chapter 21 and verse number two and what we often call, notice the widow and then the two mites. And we often just title this message, widow's mites, the widow's mites, her two mites that she cast in, not realizing that Jesus was watching the widow's mites. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you, we're just asking that you would just help us now. Help us to follow what you give us. Give us the example to follow. Help us to understand this passage. Help us to apply it. And help us to have the desire to worship you in spirit and truth. The way that you guide and the way that you direct I'm asking that you would be with my words now, my lips, my ambitions, my goals, that you set everything in order. Thank you again for all that you do. Thank you that we could trust you and help this church to move forward because of the preaching of your word. Guide and direct. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, Jesus Christ has spent this Tuesday, and he started off as his habit was, that he was actually teaching inside of the temple. And he taught a lesson inside of the temple. And of course, the big crowds were there. And as he finished teaching, the Pharisees and the Sadducees decided that they were going to try to interfere, and they were going to ask some questions. Jesus turned around and began to... Uh, <laughs> answer their questions. He spoke about the wicked husbandmen and pretty much had gotten to the place where from this point on, the Pharisees are desiring to kill him. Up to this time, the Pharisees were fine with just trying to discredit him, just to get him to be quiet, to get him to, to turn away his followers. But they now cross the line of rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ and they have every desire to kill him. And so they begin to ask him questions. It's in the midst of this as Jesus Christ has turned to his disciples and has been speaking about the Pharisees and trying to warn them off about their ways, how they've been robbing the widows and how devouring their widows' houses. And we spoke about that on Wednesday night. That Jesus now, with the whole crowd, the disciples, they've now stepped outside of the temple and they walk into what is called the court of women. And with that in mind, let's notice first of all the widow's giving. The widow's giving. Now, inside of the temple, you would have where the sacrifices are made. Then you would have the courts of women. Women were not allowed inside of the main part of the temple for the sacrifices, but they had a special court where the women can go and others can give, uh, show up, and they would have giving boxes. Alongside the wall, there were 13 trumpet-shaped boxes. On these trumpet um, boxes were various inscriptions designating what the purpose of these gifts would be directed for. Nine of these boxes were given for legal dues. So as people would obey the law, the law would dictate that there would be a certain amount of money or the equivalent of money for different sacrifices. So let's say that you were not able to actually give the sacrifice of a turtle dove or give the sacrifice of a calf that the law... Uh, allowed it that you could go ahead and give the money equivalent instead. So they would have nine boxes that would be set aside for the different legal givings that I want to follow the law that we just had a child and we're giving a gift to the Lord or we just had a uh, sacrifice or an increase and we're giving the money equivalent. So nine of these boxes were for legal dues temple taxes, and so on. The remaining four boxes were for voluntary contributions. So these would be things that were not set aside directly to obedient to the law, but they were for more of the worship of God, saying that I have some money that I want to give to the Lord, and I am voluntarily giving to the Lord because I want to worship Him, because I'm thankful for what He is doing. Now as Jesus sits down and he begins to watch, notice with me in verse 1, and he, Jesus, looked up and saw the rich men casting in their gifts into the treasury. So Jesus sits down and watches the people come and cast their money in. Many of them were putting in lots of money. And oftentimes the Pharisees or rich people, they would make a big to-do. They would make a big thing of it. Look at this. I have a big check. Everyone see the check that I'm giving. Look at how spiritual I am. And look, it is now going in the box. Look at how wonderful I am at worshiping God. And they would make a big to-do. They would make it a big thing that see how much I'm putting in. Oh, everyone notice this, how spiritual I am. 
And then Jesus, as he's watching the men cast gifts into the treasury. And by the way, there was a lot of money being given. There was a lot of people who would give a large amount. Well, as Jesus is watching, verse number two, and he saw also a certain poor widow casting in two mites. So next is a little poor woman. There's a big crowd. They're making a big deal. And you can see this little lady. She's got two small coins in her hand. And she's clutching them and making her way through. Now a mite is a small coin that's smaller than a Jewish copper coin. It's very low on the scale of values. It's not very valuable at all. A temple law had declared that no one could put in less than two mites. That if if all you have is a penny, it's not worth putting in. You have to have at least two pennies to put in to make it worth it. And But this was all that the widow had. And so this is all that she had, but she wanted to worship the Lord. So what she did is she came and gave everything that she had. Now Jesus is watching. As Jesus is watching, this whole crowd is watching. If you could imagine Jesus when he gets done speaking, he's quiet and he just looks over. They've all kind of stepped outside into the temple into the court of women's. And he just watches. And the crowd's looking at Jesus. What is he looking at? What's he staring at? And so they watch with him. And they watch as all these people come and make a big to-do. Some of them don't make a big to-do, but they're cashing in lots of money. And then he watches this little widow woman. And because he's quiet, the whole crowd's trying to see what Jesus is looking at. Every one of the crowd is also watching this widow woman. Now the widow woman doesn't know what's going on. You can imagine maybe they're on the other side of the courtyard and here she is by the giving boxes and she comes in and puts her two mites and maybe you hear them clink, 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 drop into the box. And then she walks away. She's doing everything that she was supposed to. She's doing it because she wants to. But she's giving. And Jesus notices this. And he notices that she's giving this widow's mite. Which brings us to a second thing here, this sacrificial giving. So Jesus then turns around and says something that blows their mind. Verse 3, and he said, of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. So if you can imagine the whole crowd's been quiet, they watch and They've been watching as Pharisees come. They watch as regular people come. But here's this widow mite. And maybe there was something about her that the whole crowd's watching. Maybe some of them are like, oh, here's this old lady that's taking up space. These other people want to give. Get out of the way. Whatever they were thinking. But there was something that drew the attention. And it wasn't just that Jesus pointed her out. There was something about her that the whole crowd was watching. What is Jesus looking at? She comes in and puts those two coins in and begins to totter away. Jesus tur turns to the crowd and says, let me tell you something. She just gave more than they all. Inside of their minds, little calculators started clinking and going, wait a second. These two little pennies, these two little mites, that." What do you mean she gave more than them all? I mean, we just saw someone making a big deal. Here is a $10,000 check. See how much I love the Lord? Put it in. There's no way two pennies are worth $10,000. What do you mean she gave more than it all? It's just two pennies. Hey, we just saw this guy who just gave in a $100 bill. I mean, he didn't make a big deal and didn't announce, but we saw him put in his wad of cash. I mean, she gave more? 
Well, Jesus continues and explains what he means by this. Verse number 4. For all these have of their abundance cast in the offerings of God. So Jesus points out, now it's interesting what Jesus knows. He says they gave of their abundance. What does the abundance mean? That means after they paid their bills, they paid their salary, that they took care of the lights, they gave their kids whatever they needed to do, that they had some money left over. And out of the money that was left over, they gave of the abundance. Praise the Lord for that, that people had of the abundance. And so what he's saying is that it really didn't cost them anything. They didn't sacrifice for it. They had it extra. Might as well do something with it. And so praise the Lord for that giving. But when Jesus is saying he's, that she had gave it all, he's doing it of a comparison. Notice this. For all these have in their abundance cast in the offerings of God. But she of her penuary. That word penuary carries the idea of her poverty. Meaning that she's not giving of her abundance. She's poor and still has a desire to give to the Lord. And she of her penuary have cast in all the living that she had. Meaning that this is what the widow woman had to live off of. But she said, you know what? I really love the Lord. And I want to honor him. And I believe that the Lord will be pleased by this. And so she says, I'm going to trust God to take care of things. I'm going to give of this. You see, those other people, it really didn't cost them anything because they had it extra. But for her, this was the light bill. For her, this was the grocery bill. For her, this was going to take care of rent. This was a big deal. And she wasn't knowing that Jesus was watching. And she definitely didn't know Jesus was going to do an object lesson. She, like everybody else in here, would say she wouldn't have showed up that day. She would have waited till later. She wasn't doing it for attention. She wasn't trying to let people know. She was doing it out of a true worship of God. Do you think the offerings would have been affected at all if she chose not to give her two mites? No. But she wanted to do it out of worship of him. And Jesus now acknowledges she gave more than everyone else. Because she gave of her poverty. She gave when it didn't work out on paper. She gave when it didn't make sense. She gave even though it was going to cost her something. She gave. The other people, it didn't cost them anything. It was their abundance. But she gave sacrificially. She gave of her needs. She was obedient to God and was going to trust God to meet the rest of her needs. Her act of faith gave what she couldn't afford to give that was pleasing to the Lord. Now with this, we could see that God, Jesus, is making a big deal of this. So for our understanding, maybe we could go through a biblical teaching of what the Bible says about giving so we can have an understanding. Let's, if you don't mind, hit this last thing and we're going to spend the rest of the time here on the levels of giving. The levels of giving. And we're going to mention three specific levels of giving. The first one is going to be the tithe. The first one's going to be the tithe. Notice with me, in the Old Testament book of Malachi, remember if you take Matthew and turn the next book over, the last book of the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. The book of Malachi in chapter number three. Now, people who are in the church here know that I don't spend every week talking about giving. However, when we go through the Bible exponentially, expositionally, we're going to cover the Bible 
passage, book by book, verse by verse, precept by precept. And when we do come to a subject, we don't shy away from it. And so since Jesus was talking about the widow's giving and how she gave sacrificially, it's important for us to understand what the Bible has to say about giving. So that way we could be on the same page as the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we could allow God to direct us. Now the very first level would be the tithe tithing. And we find a good principle of tithing found in the book of Malachi chapter number three. The book of Malachi chapter three. As the people of Israel at this time are starting to veer off once again from the teachings that God sends Malachi to go and ask questions to try to prompt their thinking about what they're doing is wrong. And to bring them to a realization that there's something wrong. Notice with me in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. Will a man rob God? Now, it starts off with a question. Now, what's the difference between robbing and stealing? Stealing is when you do it subtly, when you do it sneakily, when you do it behind someone's back. The idea of robbing carries the idea that you do it blatantly openly, that you do it without regard. I don't care what people say. I'm doing it anyways. So it says, will a man rob God? Now it starts off with a very question. What do you mean rob God? I could go ahead and just say, stick them up. Can I pit pot? You know, what is this idea that I robbed God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, where have we robbed thee? That's a good question. You said that we robbed God. How did we rob God? In tithes and offerings. Notice that word tithe. The word tithe means 10%. And it carries the idea that 10% of what we make already belongs to God. So if I make $100 before taxes, that, that's the gross, not the net, that out of $100, a tenth would be $10. That would be the tithe. And God says the tithe is already mine. You don't give the tithe, you bring the tithe. We'll see that in a principle. That God's already says that's mine. That you could live better off the 90% with God's blessing than you ever could with the 100% without God's blessing. God says, out of worship of me, that the tithe is mine. That you're acknowledging that I am God, that I'm the creator, and you need me and my blessings. It's a reminder that we're dependent upon God. So by faith, we bring the tithe, knowing that God takes care of us, has already taken care of us. And by faith, we give, anticipating that he's going to continue to give to us. But God says the tithe is mine. And when people refuse to give the tithe, God says something very powerful. Ye have robbed me. Why? That wasn't yours. That was mine. And you took it anyways. You used it for your own uses. You used it for your own things. You took what was not yours and used it for something else. Ye have robbed me. And that's a powerful statement. It changes giving altogether when we realize that the 10%, that's God's in the first place. Notice as he goes on and he changes it. In verse 9, ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now God says, not only are you cursed, or that you've robbed me, there's a curse upon you. He says there's going to be consequence for not bringing the tithe. Because the tithe is God. You know, if you could imagine you going up to the president and 
putting a gun behind his back and telling it, taking his wallet. Do you think there'd be some consequences? No. Absolutely. Uh, do you think that he would let you get away with it? No, not at all. There's going to be consequences for it. And so it's not that you're robbing someone who can't do anything about it. You're robbing the very one person who could do something about it. And you're taking it blatantly and taking it. It's not yours. It's his. He said, I want the 10% out of worship to me and acknowledgement that you are to be stewards, that I'm the creator and you could trust me. You say, well, that's not fair. That's not right. But he's God. He has every right to do with what he owns and what he created and what he made. By the way, the Bible says that the gold is his. The earth is his. Your money is supposedly used to be one day based off of gold. Now it's based off promises. But regardless, who owns the gold in the first place? God did. He created it. He owns everything. He lets us have 90%. He just wants us to acknowledge him and worship him with the 10%. But notice that when we do tithe, God has put many blessings. Notice the things that God does for us when we tithe. Verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. By the way, we often call this storehouse giving. That we're supposed to bring it to a specific place. And that's the storehouse. We'll cover more about this in a second. But keep that phrase in mind. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be enough room to receive it. Now God says here, I want you to prove me. That means to put God to the test. To see if it doesn't work. God wants to prove that he is God and that he is real. And that one of the best ways to prove that he is a real God is by tithing. Put God to the test. He will prove himself. If you want to put it in today's uh, speech, I double dog dare you. See if it doesn't work. I prove me now herewith, he said. If I will not uh, open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be enough room to receive it. Now let me pause here. There are some people who misteach this and say, well, if you give $10, God's going to give you back $100. That's not what it is saying. God's blessings is not always in monetary value. Sometimes it's things like he lets your tires last longer. Sometimes it's letting your gas last longer, which today in our day's economy, that's worth a lot. Amen. Praise the Lord. He... Think about the children of Israel. Children of Israel, their shoes lasted the entire 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. I have a child now that needs new suits because he put on a suit today and was like the Incredible Hulk. And I mean, I would like for clothes to last 40 years, but they don't. But God can make your clothes last longer, shoes last longer. He can keep you in health and keep you from medical bills. There's things that he can do that you can notice and see what God has done. We have many faithful tithers in this church that can give you testimony after testimony of how God's blessed them and how God's proved them. It's amazing to see what God does when you put tests. In fact, my home pastor used to say, listen, I double dog dare you to tithe. And if you're not better off, if you don't have God's blessings and see them within six months, he said, I'll give you your money back. Why can he give a blank check like that? Because God made a promise and God is real. That's why he said, prove me. Double dog dare you. Put me to the test. See if it doesn't work. 
some of you heard me say last week this story that uh, my father-in-law has been a pastor of a church for 45 years and he has a lady in the town that hates him, hates the church. And every opportunity they say all kinds of bad things about the church and the pastor. But every month she sends in her tithe and the people said, how does that work? I thought you hate that church. I do. I thought you hate that pastor. I do. Then why are you giving money to them? Because God promised to bless the tithe and as long as I tithe, God puts his blessings on. God said, prove me herewith. Put it to the test. I double dog dare you, he says, if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Notice there's a second thing. He says in verse 11, and, that word and means a continual thing. So one promise, second promise, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. You know the second thing he said he will do? Is that he'll rebuke the devourer. Who's the devourer? Satan. Man, that's worth its weight in gold to keep Satan off of our front porch for a little bit. To keep him from doing even more work in our lives. To keep him away. To send him away. That's a great promise. What a wonderful promise. That's a blessing. Then there's a third thing he says. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither the vine shall cast her fruit before the time of the field, saith the Lord of hosts. The third promise is God protected the fruit of our lives. You know, there's a lot of things that we work that we try to get accomplished. God says he'll protect those things. I'd hate to go through life and find everything that I worked for just blew away. He'll protect that. You know, this also includes children. God promised to bless the tithe. The fruit of us are our children. That's a direct fruit. I want my children to have God's protection on it. God says these promises here. I'd rather have God's promises, but this is the one promise where he says, prove me herewith. I double dog dare you. Put me to the test. See if it doesn't work. Try me. I encourage you, dear friend, that if you are not a faithful tither, become a tither by conviction and prove it for yourself. See God work. Now, where do we bring the tithe? The Bible says in verse 10, Bring ye all the tithes of the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. Notice with me in 1 Corinthians 16. Using that same terminology of storehouse giving, Notice with me in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16. And we'll look at verses 1 and 2 together. 1 Corinthians 16. So where are we supposed to bring the tithe? Because this is an important question. Some people would like to say, well, I'm supposed to, when I give my 10%, I give them to the YMCA. I give them to the Red Cross. I give them to some charity. That's not what God said to bring with his tithe. Notice where God said we're supposed to bring his tithe. In Malachi, he says we're supposed to bring it in the storehouse. 1 Corinthians 16 verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection, that's an offering for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, what day is the first day of the week class? Sunday. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. This is that same phrase, that same idea of storehouse giving. That we're supposed to come on the first day of the week and that we're supposed to bring that 
that's in store, as God hath prospered thee, that there be no gatherings when I come. Now this idea is that God says to bring him into my storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Why is this so important? Because God has arranged to function the temple in the Old Testament and the New Testament church in the New Testament by the voluntary giving of God's people. That's how God's chosen to finance. That we don't have a government subsidy. We don't have support from any other church. The only way that the lights stay on, the only way that the things get paid, that bills get taken care of, tracts get printed, is by the voluntary giving of the members of this church of the people that's associated with the church. They give in store. They bring it to the storehouse. And God uses that finances, blesses it, to finance His church. Why? Because the golden rule is, is that whoever has the gold makes the rules. And if somebody else was giving money to make this church function, we by default would have to listen to the rules that they gave. That's just the obligation. That's why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the servant is... Uh, that the uh, borrower servant to the lender. That if you borrowed money from someone, you feel obligated to, to listen to what they say. They have a say in it. Well, if God is the one financing things through the voluntary love offering of his people, then God's the one who picks what we do and directs our path. Because it's his blessings. This is why God has chosen to do it this way. This is how he chose to finance his projects is by the willful voluntary worship of his people as they honor the Lord, bring the tithe. They don't give the tithe. They bring it into the storehouse. And at the storehouse, God uses it to finance his things within the church. Praise the Lord. God knew what he was doing. This was his plan. And we're thankful God said, prove me and see what happens. Now, this is the first level. The tithe, you don't give the tithe, you bring the tithe. But after the 10%, you have 90%. And the 90%, you have freedom to do with what you want with the 90%. You are to be a good steward over it. Which brings us to the second level, which is called giving. So we have the tithe, and then we have giving. Notice with me in the Gospel record of Luke chapter 16. The Gospel record of Luke chapter 6, rather. Gospel record of Luke chapter 6. Now, from the 90% that you have, we have what is called an offering. This is where you finally start giving. You give from your portion, the 90%. And you give an offering that's above and beyond your tithe. And once again, that is used to help support the things that are going on. For example, we're going to be having this Christmas gift for Jesus offering. And it allows us to do something to help take care of the church by the voluntary giving. Uh, this is how God has said it. People voluntarily give for the worship of God so God can use that finances to continue to support what he is doing in that local church, in the local assembly. But notice what God says about giving and the gospel record of Luke chapter 6. The gospel record of Luke chapter 6. And notice with me in verse number 38. The gospel record of Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together. Running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. Now think about this picture here. God says you go ahead and give an offering which is from your 90% you give above the tithe and you give to the Lord. God in return will give back to you. Now 
It's not saying that if you give $10, God's going to give back $100. But there are other ways that God could give a blessing to you. But notice this. Have this picture. Good measure. So if you can imagine that you have a little can. And God takes a good measure and fills up your can, your pot, whatever you have. And then what he does is that he presses it in. So let's imagine flour. We've, most of you have worked with flour, I'm assuming. So let's take you have a cup of flour. And not only do you um, have a good measure, but then on top of that, you press it down. Now you could compress it. You could get more into it once it's pressed down. And you shake it together to get it to settle even more. Press it down. Then he says, and running over. So you get a good scoop, get a good helping. Then you press it down, shake it, press it down. And then you put more onto it until it's running over. That's a blessing what God can do. He says, and shall men give to your bosom. Notice this. God gives other people in our life to help support and give. God uses human instrumentality. For the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So if you give liberally, God will give back to you liberally. Amen. If you give grudgingly, <laughs> you're going to give back grudgingly. The same measure that you got. If you say, I have no problems giving the Lord. God wants us to be a conduit. He wants us to be, so like if you can imagine a pipe that you're pouring water in, that water is going to go through the pipe. And as the water pours through the pipe, more water can be poured into the pipe. But when you cap off the end of the pipe, then there's only a certain amount of water that can be put in there and then it stops. God wants us to be a conduit that as we give, God will give more to us so we can give more. He wants to trust us as vessels to get things done. It's amazing. My pastor, my home pastor, he tells a story that as he was a, um, a young man um, getting ready to go to the ministry, he was at a missions conference and he was, uh, had enough money in his pocket he was going to go buy some shoes afterwards. And so this was my shoe money. I need to get some brand new shoes. But as he was at the missions conference and he had a missionary that was praying, he noticed that the missionary had holes in his shoes. And he felt God was saying, go take care of the missionary. Go buy the missionary shoes. But these were for me. Have you ever had that argument? But this was for me. God says, no, go give it to him. Okay. And so he goes and tells the missionary, these are from some new shoes. Let's go get you some new shoes. And actually took him shopping, got the shoes, paid for it. And he says, you know what the amazing thing is? Is that since that time, he's now retiring. He's been part of the same church. He started a church 30 years ago. And he says, since that time, I've never bought my own shoes. Someone has always bought my shoes for me since that time. That's what that verse is. That he gave and God went and took care of him back. That's a big deal. He says, let me tell you, God does stuff like that all the time. God is able to take care of us. Once again, prove we have a living God. A God who's on the throne. We don't have an imaginary God. He's able to prove himself and he's able to prove himself physically with money, with, with finances. He's able to do things. And let me tell you, we need God's blessings. You say, well, some people will sometimes complain. Well, just preachers, all they want is your money. You want money. Listen, it's not about me getting things from you. Because I get very little. It's all about you getting God's blessings. Amen. We need God's blessings. God can take care of you. I want you to have God's blessings upon your life. And that's the idea of of giving. Giving you actually give from the 90% that you have. The tithe is the Lord's. That's non-negotiable. That's God's. 
But above that, we could give an offering. And God blesses that offering and takes care of us and does some wonderful things. But there is one level that's even above that. And that's where that widow woman was at. And this is the idea of faith giving. Notice with me in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Now Jesus had talked to the crowd about this widow woman who gave in two mites. And Jesus said, she gave it all. She gave more than everyone else. It wasn't about the amount as much as it was the idea of the sacrifice that she's making as she's giving. She understands that some bill's not going to get paid. Something's not going to be taken care of. She's in poverty and she's willing to give. It's always interesting, just as a little side note, that people in poverty seem to be bigger givers than those who have the abundance. Just something about it. They understand that they're dependent upon God and God can take care of it. Notice with me 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And notice as the Apostle Paul is talking to the church of Corinth. By the way, Corinth was a very rich church. And he's trying to give them an example so this very rich church can get on board with God's blessings. But notice with me as he talks about the churches of Macedonia. For 2 Corinthians chapter 8, notice with me verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. He says, let me tell you about God's blessings upon the churches of Macedonia because of what they're doing. Verse number two, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Speaking about, there's some people who's under great affliction. It's costing them something to become a Christian. It's costing them something to go to church. It's costing them something to follow the Lord. And they're in deep poverty. These are poor people. However, they're known for their great liberality. Meaning that they're willing to give cheerfully. Just like that widow woman who was deep poverty but still willing to give. Verse number 3. For to their power I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power they were willing to of themselves. Now, it's one thing to give to your power, meaning like, all right, well, I think I could go ahead and set aside some bills and put some things here, and I could go ahead and give, and I know that I could catch this up. It was saying, no, beyond their power, meaning it doesn't work out on paper, but I'm still giving to the Lord anyways, and trusting that God will take care of this. And I'm thankful that you could get to the place where it says it doesn't work out on paper, but God's able to supply, that God's able to bless them. Verse number four, praying with us that much entreaty that we should receive the gift. Now, can you imagine the Apostle Paul who's going to go start another church and he's starting another church. A messenger comes and says, guess what? The churches of Macedonia have given. What do you mean they've given? You know how poor they are? Yeah, I know. Here you go. And he pressed it into the Apostle Paul and said, go start more churches. We want to support what you're doing in the area of missions. Imagine how humbling that would be to know how poor those people are. And they still insisted they wanted to give and help missionaries start churches. He says, wow, that's a big deal. He says, praying with us that much entreaty that we would receive the gift. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Meaning, we want to join with you to help you start churches. We're getting on board with what you're doing. Here is some money. Paul says, you can't afford this. Listen, we believe this is what God wanted us to do. So take it. Don't argue. We want to help out in starting churches. 
Wonderful. Verse number five. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first, notice this, gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Here's how it started. These people who were poverty and affliction in Macedonia said, Lord, we give of ourselves. We want you to use us. And so if we could be used to help start churches, to help support missionaries, we know that we're poor and we don't know how it's going to work out, but we're willing to give. And so we're going to go ahead and give and we're going to take expect you to continue to bless us and continue so we can continue to give and that you meet our bills. We don't know how it's going to work out, but we start off with us first. And then they gave as the will of God, meaning they said, God, what do you want me to give? And they give as God directed and told them what to do. They were obedient to it. And as they were obedient to God's will, God took care of it. Paul's saying, listen, church of Corinth, you're wealthy and you have a hard time giving. Let me tell you what these other churches are doing. They're poor. And I'm trying to do this because I want you to have God's blessing. They're having God's blessing. They're they're poor, but look at what God's doing with them. He's taking care of them. He's supporting them. They're doing a lot better in their poverty with God's blessing than them trying to scrape everything themselves. God is saying, I want you to have the blessings. I want you to have all of this. And of course, you could continue through uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 to see more about this giving and how he, Paul is saying, listen, I'm not trying to do it to get money from you. I'm doing this because I want you to have God's blessing. But this is the third level of giving. It's faith giving. Meaning, I'm giving as God is directed according to his will by faith. Meaning, it doesn't work out on paper, but I'm willing to give. Oftentimes, we follow the same suit. We give this for the idea of missions. That the tithes and the offerings are used to help support and run God's local church here. But our faith giving is giving by faith that God is going to continue to supply for us. Maybe you'll uh, not go get a McDonald's hamburger and you end up using that for it. You choose to put some things out of your life because you want to support missionaries around the world. And as you do that, God blesses. Remember, God sees we give and he sees, may I say, the proportion of what we get. That's why he looked at the widow woman and looked at everyone else and said, she gave more. Because she gave up her poverty. We know that it didn't work out on paper. But she gave anyways. And God is able to bless it. And able to work. Now again. All this has to happen because of one thing. God is real. We're not serving a fake God. And we're not running a con thing. God is real and you could look for yourself. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, that's where we want you to start. We want you to know for sure that your sins are forgiven. You have a home in heaven and see what God's promises. But as you step forward in these promises, the next step is to prove God. Double dog dare you. See if God doesn't pour you out a blessing. Open up the windows of heaven. Put him to the test. Be consistent of yourself. You say, where do I start? Well, start with the tithe. Remember, you don't give the tithe, you bring the tithe. Start for that. Then after that, why don't you encourage yourself to take a step forward? Maybe just a little bit more. Join in in an offering that we have on. And a special thing that we have going on. Maybe you want to start helping in the area of missions. Maybe you're not currently supporting missions. May I encourage you to pray about what God would have you to do. And take your place in helping this local church help other churches be started around the world. God blesses it. 
We may take some time later, some time to allow others to give testimony, but many of you have a testimony. In fact, we're not going to ask you to give a testimony, but just as an encouragement to others, how many of you say this works and you watched God bless the tithe? Amen. There's hands all over. God will work. And I want to encourage you to try it for yourself. I double dog dare you to put God to the test and see it for yourself. God blesses the giving because he's a real God. And remember, the giving shouldn't be grudgingly. It should be the idea that I'm worshiping God. By faith, I'm giving to him, worshiping him, acknowledging what he's done for me so far. And by faith, I'm giving, knowing that he's going to continue to take care of me as he promised. He is faithful. So we know that this is where we're at. What about you? Have you put God to the test for yourself? Maybe you just need to go to the Lord and say, God, what is it that you would have me to do? Where do you want me to start? Maybe you're not even saved and we'd love to take the Bible and to show you how you can know for sure you could have a personal relationship with a real God who loves you. And it'd be our great privilege to take the Bible and to show you that. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.